Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Thank you for coming to this show, which is going to be on reparenting and uh, going along the body love cards program right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about reparenting. And at the front of the card is the image with a little person with her a little tiny image of her and the dear dog image has a little tiny dear dog image. And it's under sort of a bridge, if you will, or a top um, garden kind of a bridge. And um, so the card reads, Reparenting is the action of taking care of the small child within all of us who has feelings and needs. Many times the pain beneath the struggle with food and weight is linked to emotional needs that weren't met when we were children. This is understandable since it's impossible for a parent to meet every emotional need a child experiences. However, as an adult, we can learn to meet our own needs and be our own parent. We do this by being compassionate, loving, attentive, and responsible to ourselves. So for me, with my own recovery, I did not realize that there was this part of me that didn't know how to feel, didn't know how to, didn't, was really scared all the time. And what I had learned to do when I was younger was to, when I got scared or had big feelings, was to smash that down so I didn't feel it and I didn't go through it. But that little part of me that was being smashed down would come out in very, hard and difficult ways, like eating all of the cake, <laughs> you know, would not obey, would not obey me. And I had to come up with this part, another part of me, like a parent part, like a good parent part, which I didn't feel like I had when I was little, but nobody can be a perfect parent. That would take me aside and say, I love you, you're going to be fine, you don't have to eat all the cake. You don't have to do anything and have compassion and be responsible for myself just to meet my own needs. And that was a process, but it, it was a great process because lear I learned how to be my own parent, my own good parent, which I didn't have that idea before coming into this recovery. So today we have a really wonderful friend of Beyond Hunger and a good a good peer of mine that I just really love and love her work. And um, I will let her introduce herself and tell you what she's been doing these days. Hi, I am Sabina Hacker, and I am a registered dietitian. And ah. I know, right? <laughs> I'm the one that talks about food all the time. And... Um, I've been a registered dietitian for 
28 years. Oh, wow. my God. Oh, my God. And um, in the last 20 years, I almost exclusively have been working in eating disorder treatment, um, in treatment centers, in hospitals, in the last 12 years in private practice. Mm-hmm. So what... What is your, so where are you working now? You're also working for, with Carol Normandy in a... Oh, that's right. Totally forgot about that. Um, and since the beginning of this year, I'm one of the staff at Amarita Eating Disorder Treatment in yeah. San Rafael mm-hmm. because it is so conveniently located in my suite. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so we have four clinicians that run the program, all of us have, just like me, have had years of experience. And it's, um, I said this to Carol the other day, in many ways it's easy as breathing because we've uh. all been trained, we've all worked in it uh, for so long. So yes. it's, a, it's a cool experience. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear yeah. it. I know that you guys are doing great work. So tell me how you work with not only with yourself, but with your clients and the idea of reparenting, of reparenting yourself. Yeah, so any eating disorder client or client struggling with eating eventually ends up in my office um, because they are basically afraid to eat. Yes. You know, they might eat a handful of foods, um, but in general, they're really afraid to eat. And they have lost their natural relationship to food, to eating, to their body for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but, of course, those ones that have an eating disorder, the eating disorder has completely interfered with, with an activity that they were very capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are born... We eat, we eat to survive. Yes. We eat to meet our energy needs. We eat to meet our nutritional needs. But when we're babies, we eat to survive. And there is, it's a, it's a big deal, you know, if a baby doesn't eat, you know. Yes, it is a big deal. All hell breaks No loose. thriving. No thriving. You don't grow. You right. don't move. You know, there's, there's all the stuff um, that is associated with eating. And survival is obviously the driving force here. And um, it's much of your life is very much around eating. You know, you eat, you sleep, you poop, and <laughs> everybody <laughs> eats and sleeps and poops. <laughs> and, and if you don't, you cry or something yeah. like that. So it's it, it it it's um it's something that you grow up with from the very beginning, um, and that guarantees your your life. And when you get out of that early stage um, of infancy. Um, you have signals that um, tell you that you're hungry. You have signals that you are full. And even though you cannot talk and you still just eat and sleep and cry and poop, um, <laughs> you still will stop eating when you're full. That's right. And you will cry when you're hungry. You know, That's it's, right. It's really amazing, actually. Uh, and you'll eat only what you want. I right. mean, you, I, I have had a child. I've had, I have two grandchildren. If they don't want to eat it, they don't eat it. 
They will right. not eat it. Mouse is you closed. will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might eat another bite if you do a really cool dance in front of them. Right, <laughs> other or than airplane. That, they just um, they they have that connection with their body um, that we call intuitive. Um, yep. Um, it's built in. Um, and with very, very few exceptions, everybody everybody has that. Yeah. And then, of course, you also learn how to eat with your family or with the group that raises you. Um, because beyond that intuitive relationship there with your body, there's also um, a social relationship of eating. And um, that comes from your family, of course. Um, and you might eat three or four meals, you, I don't know, it depends, you might eat with chopsticks, you might eat with fork and knife, yeah, you might yeah. have every meal warm um, or cooked. Um, anyway, there are so many different cultural aspects or um, innate aspects that are related to a family that you learn from a family. Right. And all of that is good. Right. And then you go to school, or I should say you go to preschool maybe, but then you go to school. And I use the that institution. as <laughs> well. I use that as a as a benchmark of um, life opens way up. You know, socialization um, that has happened already before or it has already started now really is going in overdrive because now you will do this on a regular basis um, with your peers, yeah. and you will do this for many years to come. And it's time structured. It's time structured. You might have to travel. Uh, you might like the people you're mm -hmm. going to school with. You might not. Right. You might miss mom and dad. You might not. You know, it just there. There are all these things, and and it's not all all terrible, but um, it's definitely a change. Yeah. And um, some of these intuitive ways of eating or these family ways of eating cannot be upheld because now you have to have lunch. I don't know, at 12 o'clock with everybody else. That's right. Yeah. And the table is no longer three people big, but now it's yeah, seven people big, whatever, you right. know. Um, but that's those are um, other structures that now come into your life, and they will challenge you yeah. and your relationship with food and eating and your body and all of it. Right. But it's not necessarily horrible. No. It's good. It's right. an expansion. It's fine. Until it's no longer fine. Right. Until stuff happens. Right. That um, deters you from a fun, nourishing, joyful relationship yeah. uh, with food. Like a na it becomes not natural anymore. It's not natural anymore or it's, it's it not automatic. Harmful. It's no longer mm -hmm. automatic. Um, right. Right. Um, there are there are, there's a multitude of things that can can start happening. You know, one of the things that we see a lot of is um, children become picky. Mm -hmm. They just do. Yeah. Um, part of this is completely normal. Um, what's not necessarily um, helpful is then how the world around them responds to that. You exactly. Know? You know, and there are many different ways of obviously to respond to that. Um, and it also depends on, on the child itself. But um, it's normal for the child to become more critical of their food, more, I don't know, suspicious, maybe nervous, mm -hmm. just because there's a lot that happens in their life. Right. Um, anyway, so that's just one example of how your relationship might change with food. That doesn't explain how one gets an eating disorder per se or disordered eating, but that could be one entryway to, for things to... 
right becomes goes so far away from your middle from your normal range um, that eventually I say you go over to the dark side <laughs> right. and you and, and here's the thing right we, we I think we all have gone to the dark side at one point or another in our eating but you're able to pull back into the middle like yes you were taking you were talking about cake um, part of normal eating is to eat cake um, sometimes to eat too much cake right sometimes you eat too much cake and you're like mm. All right, I don't feel just, very uh, good. I don't feel very good. You know, I'm not going to do that again. Or next time, I know better. And that's normal behavior. That's okay. Right. That's not disordered. That's right. just going like, well, that was too much. Right. For the disordered eating person, for me and for a lot of my clients over the years, it becomes a moral issue if you ate cake. Right. Instead of, you know what, sometimes people overeat on cake and it's not a really big deal. It's not a big deal. And, um, but again, it might have been a very scary place to eat too much cake. Yeah. Or uh, there was a lot of judgment around eating too exactly. much cake. Exactly. Or it was also a very sad time of your life. Or it became something that it was not intended to be. And this is, I think, the key thing. Where That's right. Where food all of a sudden starts taking on jobs <laughs> it yeah. was not meant to perform. Right. You know, like it's supposed to nourish you. It's supposed to be social. Um, it's fun, hopefully. Uh, hopefully it also tastes good most of the time. Though I don't think... You should always have your favorite food all the time. I don't think that helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but food cannot be your best friend. Yeah, can't be your boyfriend. It it's not can't your mom. Be, I mean, it's not your mom. It's <laughs> not your boyfriend. Um, it cannot be the sun and the moon and the star. You yeah. Know? It can be a fantastic meal. Uh, but it cannot be the highlight of your day day in and day out. Right. You know? Right. Um, it can't be everything to it, you. It just can't. Those are jobs mm. that food was not meant to do. Right. Um, and again, none of this is pathological if it happens. Um, some of it needs to be experienced just to go like, oh, that's kind of odd. Yes. I don't yes. think that, that's, that fits into what I'm used to. Um, but when you cannot do that for yourself, where you go like, wow, um, that was scary or that was odd or I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. When you cannot pull what it back into the range or what mm -hmm. was that all about? Um, then thought patterns develop, judgments develop or come in from the outside and um, you slowly but surely start losing your footing. You no yes. longer feel secure in right. what it is that you're doing. Right. Um, if you throw in a diet or two, you know, with some real restriction patterns yes. in them, where somebody else comes in and goes like, okay, you need to eat this way because this way is going to be the right way. And you're going to have, yes. I don't know, all the energy or you're going to lose weight and you're, you're going to feel be, better. I, and you're going to be um, healthy, Health, this is the new diet word that has been stolen. Healthy. You're going to be healthy, i.e. thin, i.e. perfect, i.e. never oh, die. Oh, that word, perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just, it's interesting. It's um, uh, 
yeah, I think thinness or um, the, the the drive to to lose weight is is a big one. But sometimes I look at um, diet development over over time, and it's interesting how our um, our nation went. I think on its first big diet when in the 1980s, you know, no fat. Yeah, closely followed by, oh my God, extra uh, fat. <laughs> first came first came more protein and then yeah. came no sugar and then came extra fat so anyway mm -hmm. um but it it changes the way you actually eat and yeah. it doesn't change it for uh, for medical reasons because you know there's actually something really wrong it just changes it for um, reasons that cannot really be explained well yeah. and oftentimes just end up being a weight loss diet of sorts that's all it is yeah and so loss. now you're so far away from your intuitive natural right. eating pattern um, that seemed very safe and secure and was upheld by your family um, and you start getting actually afraid of eating. Yes. Yeah, you get really afraid. So, um, and sometimes it's it's a general, I'm just not going to eat or I'm not going to eat a lot. Or I cannot eat bread or I can't eat meat or whatever it is. It's uh, It actually doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is that there is a fear of, of the act of eating, a fear of a particular food. Um, That's right. That's right. Fear of feeling satisfied right. or fueled, a fear of feeling too full. Um, well, it's a f and a fear of being too fat if I eat this or this or this. And then it, I know for me, I would squ squish a bunch of diets together and then I couldn't eat anything. I was just going <laughs> to say, what was that? <laughs> I would be on the low carb. Low fat, no sugar, but no meat because I was vegetarian. <laughs> so really, <laughs> I couldn't eat anything, really, and be okay. I would eat. I would eat because I didn't want to die, but I was never happy with whatever I ate. And it's such a so, – so I remember vividly in seventh grade uh, coming home and I'm going, Mom, I think I need to go on a diet. She goes, why? Why? Well, so-and-so is on this diet with, I don't even know, crackers and something. It sounds like that's something we should do. And she goes, I, can't, I cannot believe that she actually said that. But she said, you don't need to be on a diet. Just wow. eat what I give you to eat. You'll be fine. Wow. That was the end of the diet discussion. Uh-huh. Knowing what I know today, I'm going, whoa, totally brilliant. I know, I know. <laughs> she, you know, she was not a highly academic lady or anything like that. She just goes like, no, you're not going to do that. She um, knew how to feed a child. Well, but also <laughs> what I like, I like to use this example because um, especially in a child, they need to be adults that come in and go like, well, what are you doing? Yes. We don't do it that way. Yes. But that's not good for you. Right. You don't, you don't have to do that or... You know, whatever else is going on, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. In the absence of that, you're left alone with yeah. the information that you have in your hands, in your head, yep. and whatnot. And so if there's nobody there who's going to straighten that out with more experience and more confidence, it's a pretty scary place. Yeah. And if you had a, 
a parent like I had, uh, my mother was, as long as I can remember, was on a diet. And my grandmother was on was thought, thought she was too fat and she had Alzheimer's. And then when my mother got Alzheimer's, she still knew she was too fat. And she was always on a diet. And she would say, she didn't know her name, she didn't know who I was, she didn't know where she was, but she would say, can you, ima- can you believe how fat I've gotten? And I would, it was, this is how core it was for us. Wow. And that's what I learned is to be a woman is to be on a diet and to think you're too fat anyways. So, One way or the other. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Yeah. Whether right. or not it's reality or not. Right. Yeah. And the eating disorder of uh, the body dysmorphia and the eating disorder of always knowing or always feeling like you know you're too fat, whether you're way too thin or a natural weight, or maybe a little bit overweight, just is the same on all three of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most fascinating things um, that I um, definitely have watched in my professional career, where I go like, where is the self-doubt coming from? Mm-hmm. Why, why? Why do we even have doubt? Yeah. You know, what, what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a clear and present danger, somebody is on a diet and they tell you you're fat. Okay, well, that 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 works, of course. But I I have watched this now too many times in clients that there's doubt and watches on my own. There's doubt that comes naturally in our I don't know daily life. Yes. Um, and my theory is that in particular in a younger person, um, self doubt happens for any kind of reason and your body is actually the 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 object the Mm -hmm. biological piece that's always with you so in many ways it's normal to say like why it's got to be the body right it's got to be the the, body that's the one in the room um if i if i only change my body then the situation will be better. Then I'll be better. I'll be happy. And rather than just is. going and get a new haircut or new hair color or something like that, I right. think in the last 50 years, going on a diet has been kind of the thing to do. It's the new, um, it's the trek, you know, it's the the hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> the hero's journey. You know, instead yeah. of looking for the chalice and for who does the... Who does it serve? You know, how am I going to serve myself and my fellow man? It's how can I get thin and stay thin? Yeah, rather That's than asking, rather than asking, oh, what's so scary? Right. Or what, what am I afraid of? Right. Or what do I really want to do? What do I really want to do? Right. Or what is it that I don't understand? Or right. a myriad of things that we will be faced on with in life. Um, we just will because that's life. Of course, of course. But, you know, going back to the reparenting, that if we don't have, like for me, I had to make up this good parent within me that had never been on a diet. So that was kind of hard. I had to reach way back, you know, and find that part of me that would love me unconditionally. Right. And, and, And feed me well and put me to bed and give me enough water and let me move around. You know, I had to get that parent that I didn't really have in real life or even a model of it. 
Right. But there it was. Yeah, so when clients come to my office, um, my job really is um, to help them learn how to eat again. Yes. And help them nourish their body, sometimes restore weight. Um, but actually just really rebuild that relationship that has mm -hmm. been either lost or buried or seriously messed with or so much interference from disordered thoughts that it's just, it's deeply... Yes, it's gone. buried, buried, so, buried. Um, and, and we start with um, really, I, I, I start with really basic things like, yeah, I want you to eat and I want you to eat on a regular basis. And of course, I'm scientifically trained, so I will, you know, I will always go like, and the study shows, and here is the study, <laughs> and this is why we're doing this, you know. Exactly. Um, and very much come from a scientific point of view, where I go like, you know, first of all, there is there are needs, there are physical needs, there are energy needs, there are yep. nutrition needs, you know, this is all very science-based, this That's is right. why you do it. Science shows that we need food to live. <laughs> yes, this is the, uh, they always go like, so, uh, well, I, one of my questions is like, so what do you think you're eating? And they have all kinds of answers. And I go like, all right, so the very first reason is to give you energy. Right, to keep you alive. You don't right. get energy from caffeine or from vitamin pills. You only get it from food. Oh, all right. That's the first bad news of the day. <laughs> you know? So you need to eat to have energy. And then, of course, you also eat to get nutrients and because the body does have a whole bunch of nutrient needs and if you do that on a regular basis um, in the very beginning it depends a little bit on where somebody is but in the very beginning oftentimes um, when somebody has is deeply in their eating disorder we go yeah we want you to eat every three hours sometimes even every two hours exactly we want you to have three meals three snacks mm -hmm. um, um, just because we want your body to know that it's going to get what it needs yeah. on a very regular basis, kind of like feeding a baby. Exactly. And every physical body responds very nicely. After doing that for four to six weeks, usually hunger signals start kicking in. It's pretty incredible. Sometimes yeah. even earlier, you know. Right. Um, because the hunger signals very much follow. You You eat on a regular basis. You repeat that often enough. The body goes, oh, that's this what we do. This is time to that's eat. That's great. It's one o'clock. Uh, lunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's oftentimes their first connection. It's like, wow, my body's sending me a signal and mm -hmm. I'm hearing it. So great. Pretty cool. And is it the same, and I think I know the answer to this, but you're the expert, so is it the same for whether you're over your natural weight or under your natural weight? Oh, yeah, it doesn't, I, I don't it's think, the same. well, uh, does it matter? I, I think in general it's the same. Yeah. Because if you are, if you have an eating disorder or you are disordered in your eating, it doesn't really matter if you're underweight or overweight. Right. You are usually malnourished yes that's the point so that I and think i know this is one of those big, yeah no it's one of those big myths you need to be at death's door all bones and skin before you have a real eating disorder and that's just not true that's not true and you can be malnourished yes being very very large yes 
and I don't think people get that. No, they you don't. know they, they really think, don't. oh no, I'm oh sure, that's all I need is right more food. It's like well, you might need more real food. Yes, you might need real food. You need or uh, food or with stretched the right out, or, or you need to you right. need to have it in 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 a way that your body actually trusts that you're gonna do this again and that can process and it. again. And again, so it can do multiple things. It can actually use it for what it's intended to do, like energy, I don't know, building muscles, skin, hair. Right. Um, and um, using the stores that it has, because fat is nothing else but an energy store. That's right. But storage. But it's an energy storage in the anticipation of famine. Yeah, <laughs> right. So if I have somebody who's starving themselves, but they're overweight, that just means that their body thinks that they are not going to be fed yeah. properly on a regular basis. And, and that's, in right. essence, the definition of a diet. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because I, when I was overweight, when I was over my natural weight, I felt always hungry. Mm-hmm. And then when I was under my natural weight, I didn't really feel hungry. And so when I was trying Very to refeed tricky. on both of those ends, I would feel uh, like I was eating too much when I was under my natural weight and not eating enough when I was over my natural weight yeah, to do. try to get back to some sort of normalcy. And it was a real, it, it very much screwed with my mind yeah it's and <laughs> it's, I didn't and it, get it yeah and it's really confusing it's confusing to to the client to you it's also confusing to clinicians yes because they look at hunger in kind of one way and that's the only way yes so they don't understand that somebody can be starving and being seriously underweight and they actually relish their hunger. There's a sense of that's almost right. like one client described it to me like, yeah, it's like a high. It's I a feel. power. It's there's power, but also there's a physical high. Yeah, in there it. it's, is. It's really intriguing. Yeah. And um, of course, this only lasts for a little while because yeah. you're probably running on adrenaline because your body goes like, all right, you're starving. Can you please find food? And you go mm-hmm. like, oh, let me just. How about a, a cup of coffee? coffee? Yeah, mm, excellent <laughs> point. <laughs> and um, so this works uh, as long as you make adrenaline and and you think you don't need anything. Yeah. And yeah. on the other end. Um, while okay, so while somebody who doesn't have an eating disorder, they're hungry, um, their stomach growls, and then it goes away, and then comes back, and it's extra hard. Like, hey, I'm really hungry, and it actually hurts. Hunger yes, hurts. It does. And they go like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Priority. Okay, where's the food? What I'm going to do? Where I'm yes. going to get it? You know. Yes. Um, client with an eating disorder doesn't necessarily do that. Yeah. And when we, on on the other spe- side of the spectrum, hunger now is actually hormonally regulated and we think it has something to do with the additional um, storage of um, of energy and there is this need to continuously replenish that 
And so therefore there are more signals there than actually need to be there. Ah, so yes. the body that is, that is what I, like I was describing earlier, a body that thinks that famine is imminent yeah. will keep sending signals like, hey, squirrel, find more acorns we need to store. The winter is coming. <laughs> the winter that, is coming. You know, and it doesn't matter how many acorns you already have stored. It's it it it, it hormonally it sinks that it needs to store even more. That's that's so good. And on both sides, they need to actually relate, create a new relationship. Well, actually, learn to live with hunger the way it's intended to. That's to, right. To be right. So um, we get so, full. We get hungry. We right. get sleepy. We get exactly thirsty. We whatever. Right, and we start both actually. On yeah, you eating on a regular basis. Yeah, and I need you to experience hunger and then answer hunger, and I need you to do it in actually an organized fashion for a while, until this becomes predictable That's for right. your body as well as for you. And rather than changing a whole bunch of things at once, you kind of go like, here, this is your meal plan. This is what you eat. This is where your mothering or fathering comes starts coming in. Oh yeah. Eat this because it's good for you and then see what happens. Yes. I love that. You've brought it back to that. Like yeah. you know, if the mom doesn't feed the baby, the baby doesn't get up out of the crib at four days old and goes looking for food. Correct. Just dies. Oh we yes. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so we have to do we have to be that mom for ourselves yeah. or that dad and come in with a bottle and come in with food and come in yes. with nourishment? And you have to basically also talk to yourself. You yeah. feed yourself, but you also have to talk to yourself because yourself will be scared. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're underweight or overweight, they're always scared. They're Yet. scared to do it. They're scared to follow through. It's horrifying. Um, they basically think I'm. I have a medieval plan of turning them <laughs> yeah. into something and they don't trust the process why should they they're far away from that process they're very far um and they're also far away from this idea of like they're doing this to actually take care of themselves like a parent would have taken exactly. care of them when they were younger yes um but with repetition with time um, lots of wonderful things actually happen, you know, yeah. besides hunger and fullness signals setting in. One of my favorite one is when they notice that they have energy, like mm -hmm. real energy. Like, right. Wow, I ate lunch and I could do... And I felt better. I felt better. Yeah. I The brain fog lifted yeah. and I could read the book or I could do the math problem or I could power through and do the presentation or I didn't want to kill anybody on the road or, you know, it, you know, yes. or my favorite, the thoughts about food went away. <gasps> so great. Silence. Cause you weren't head. starving. Like, you weren't starving. What a concept, right? You feed your system right. and your body goes, okay, that's cool. See you in four hours. Let's go do something else. That's right. Don't have to think about it. When you're those. starving or when you're malnourished, the body will send, Endless signals because it's still in survival mode and going like, excuse me, hello, anybody home? When are we eating? What are we eating? How much are we eating? Are we going to eat cake? When, you know, when, like, when, when, yeah, when. And right. so um, you feed yourself on a regular basis and this will just go away. It's so true. So and great. When, when the client sees that or experience that, um, 
that's um, that's that's a cool moment. Yeah, it's a really cool moment, yeah. and that to me is um, the the path of recovery feels very out of control until you get to this place where oh, I actually feel better because mm-hmm. a lot of times the start of recovery with an eating disorder feels horrible. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't feel good, and and. There is there there is such a big separation between your head and your body. Yes, there is like no concept of what your body is actually saying on a yeah. regular basis. And when those two start coming together, yes. and you start noticing, oh, there are signals. Yeah, and wow, I can actually do something about the signals and this is a conversation that I have yes. with myself yep. and this works again and again and again then you are on a good path of like reestablishing those those patterns that you actually had to begin with yeah um, and sometimes it's a happy unification between head and body and I go like wow I remember this now yes this is how it used to be sometimes it's not it doesn't matter though because that relationship is still so much better than what it was before it's right that's right make a big difference and it may take a while but it's you know it's okay we're I mean I feel like there was a part of me that needed to forget everything I had been taught about food and weight and go with this part of me that I did not trust. I didn't mm-hmm. know to trust it, you know. And again, this reparenting part that I had to dig up from way deep inside of you, you can do this. You know yes, how to you eat. Can. You know how to go to sleep. You know how to breathe. <laughs> Your heart knows how to beat. Yes. These are things I can count on and yes. I I will count on them and it was very hard. Um and what then, go ahead. Well, I was going to say so once they eat or once you start eating, once you start eating on a regular basis, you usually eat only safe foods. Mm. Quote um, unquote. Quote unquote. <laughs> your safe foods. Mhm. And then comes part two or three, and that is, okay, so now that we established eating, nourishing, now let's expand the variety. Yeah. And, and let's expand the variety beyond just the science. It's good for you to eat three different kinds of vegetables and that type of thing, but let's in- expand it into areas that you actually fear. Foods that have not been consumed for a long time because you're afraid of them or foods that you have previously binged uh, on or you have purged them or, you know, any, any version of that. Right. Because by avoiding foods, you give them again powers that they shouldn't be having. That's right. Potato chips have no power over anything. Correct. You know, Maybe tater tots do. No, not even tater tots. Not even the tots. No, nobody, no, no food has any power conspired to, (laughs) you know, to overthrow. Right. The The cheese Danish is just a cheese Danish. That's That's all it is. And so, um, starting to 
bring them back or bring them in to learn a couple of things. One of them is actually to learn to eat them without abusing them because just as much as they don't have power, they shouldn't be abused. Exactly. Um, well, it doesn't work. Right. To abuse food. It doesn't work. We um, can't process it. You know, it doesn't work. Learn how to incorporate it. How much ice cream do I get to eat? Yeah. How often? Yeah. And then also, and this is oftentimes so, so interesting, to actually understand, do you actually really like this food? I know. You know. That was a like, huge part yeah, for me. Yeah, like... Mm -hmm. I cannot eat any potato chips. I only know how to eat the bag and then I'm going to purge it. And then, and then you make them eat, I don't know, a portion of potato chips with a sandwich. They're like, huh, that was okay. And the third time in, they're like, I guess I don't actually really like potato chips. I know. I think corn <laughs> chips look much better. Or I don't know. I you know? know. It's so and true. It's, so, it's such an aha moment of... Um, Understanding that, that, you know, the behavior that they have engaged in um, for some time has distorted, of course, everything, uh, but also what they thought they actually really adored or loved or yeah. couldn't control. Yeah, you, you know. couldn't have them in your house and then you bring them in and you're, they're just another yep. food. They're just like anything else. Do you, does your body like it or not? That's, That's really right. the only question. Um, I love I love that idea for sure, um, and that takes a while if you're really in the throes of an eating disorder to bring in these quote unquote foods that you're afraid of. That takes a little while. The yeah. trust has to be there. But I so I I use this exercise where I, I make my clients categorize all their foods um, into three categories: safe. Sometimes I can eat them sometimes mm -hmm. and forget it. I'm never going to touch that. Mm -hmm. And then we look at this, this categorization and we start someplace. Now we say like, you know, pick the easiest one, mm -hmm. the, the, the one that feels the safest. Yes. But pick one out of the never, never forget ever. it. I'm never going right. to do this. And then let's plan it. Let's plan when you're going to have it with whom you're going to have it, because you want support, to be clear. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and then then do it. And it just takes a while. It does take a while, just but what's really while. interesting, once you, in, when, once you start this process, the first time is it's so amazingly scary for them. And then they they repeat it a couple of times and go like, oh, look at that. I'm no longer afraid of this food. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what happens of the, uh, on, in this categorization um, sheet or exercise, with this one food, other foods start moving into the sometimes section. Exactly. And there's then maybe another one that we tackle. And go exactly. Like, okay, let's do, I don't know, yep. chocolate now. Right. Or cake or right. something like that. Or melted cheese, and right. um, and then we work that on that for a little while, and then they realize, wow, um, so that was really that was really a big deal. But now the other ones, all of a sudden, are no longer so frightful. That's right. And so it seems, perhaps in the beginning, like oh my goodness, we're never going to be done. You know, I'm going to see you for five years. <laughs> I for sure. And actually, it, does. it it really it 
it, it really doesn't take that long. Right. It really doesn't take that long. Right. For sure, not five years. Right. <laughs> so if there was a young woman, a young girl who comes home with, Mom, I'm going to go on a diet. I, my friend is on a diet and she's eating crackers and whatever it is. And you didn't have as on top of it brilliant mom that you did that says, no, that's not what you're going to do. What would you say to her? What would you say to her about, you know, how to get herself out of that or the support that you could give to her? If she didn't, she didn't have that. She didn't have you. She didn't have this mom. What would you tell her to do? Yeah. Um, the, the client or the, the, the person, young girl, the young yeah. girl, not the mom. Um, so I, <laughs> I would recommend to them to go and talk to a professional. Yeah. Because um, you want to talk to a professional, somebody like like myself, a registered dietitian that knows food really well, yeah. knows knows what's actually good for your body, yeah. and you can ask him or her all the question you possibly have about yes. eating and food and what's good for you and what's not good for you. Mm -hmm. And I would probably take mom with me. Mm -hmm. Good, and do it together. And I mean, depending on the age. It's really a family affair. Yeah. Um, family is the nucleus that in, in which you eat. And um, if education needs to happen to a quote-unquote child or young teen, really should happen within the family. Absolutely. Words, talk to the entire family. Absolutely. Um, and if there's something that actually really needs to change in her or his eating, um, then that's something that the entire family um, does together yeah you know let's just say well they're not eating enough vegetables well then the whole family should be eating more vegetables that's right or figure we need out to how put to get more, there you know? right or right if yeah they don't know how to eat desserts and the whole family needs to learn how to yeah do that, actually because that really solidifies that and supports them and keeps them safe yes um yes yeah. They are really young, and they really don't know right. how to do it. And I think if I was that young girl that I had a mom and a sister and a brother who were always on a diet, that's just the way it was. I was the youngest one, and it was everybody was on a diet that I knew. Um, I feel like I, I would have liked to have known that there's a different way. And I did not know that then. Right. I just thought there was just this way. Yeah. Just be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know, your your world is your world, the world yeah. that you grew up in. If that's right. what you see, right, and you don't see anything else, then how how can you know? Yeah. So I get. I love that. Talk to somebody because that, that would have never occurred to me. Talk to somebody else other than this nucleus that I'm around. Right. I'm not so sure in the '50s and '60s that I would have heard a lot else. But I, was just say I like, might have. Mm, you know, yeah. I might have. And I know there are, you know, therapists and people in dietitians who are not recovered themselves that aren't going to give you great advice either. 
So you just have to keep trying to find the yeah. one that fits for you and doesn't make you crazy. Yeah, yeah and and that's a really um, that's a really good point. I ha- in in all fairness to my own profession, um, things have improved tremendously, but. Um, there were times where I go like, wow, is is everybody in my profession just out to make somebody lose weight? Does yeah. anybody do anything else? Right. Um, I, I think or a doctor or a nurse yes. or a therapist or a school counselor. Yeah. They were just not trained. So the awareness is definitely a lot higher. Um, and um, I think the concept of intuitive eating or mindfulness is yeah. definitely permeating um, for sure, our profession. Yeah. Um, but I know um, um, even even physicians these days are starting to talk about this in a different way. Yeah. Now uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Still uh, a lot of, of education work. to be right. done, but it's it definitely is. I want to say it's better than the fifties. Yeah. 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 So look on Sabina's website. Look on it's not about food website. Listen to the podcast. Bring it's not about food to your doctor. Yes. <laughs> to Very your therapist, good. wherever you Very are. Good. Your or dietitian. Fi- here. Yeah. And help and, us. And I think um, you can even, if you go on, on websites like NIDA or yes. um, APTED or uh, the International Eating Disorder um, yep. um, website and, and look for um, clinicians that are eating disorder trained. Yes. They work. Also, with people who don't have eating disorders, that's right. You know? <laughs> they, <laughs> that are just they just go like, "That's all right. You have a bunch of questions. That's cool. You that's know, right. come on in. I that's talk right. to you too." Right. Uh, but at least you know that they have it, that they have not only sensitivity training but also the scientific training um, to really know how to answer these questions. Yeah, and that little young girl might need to be her own parent about this and get herself some help. That's, of course, mm-hmm. um, true. That's very early. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Right. Sometimes you have to be the agent of change. You do. You have to be the one that saves your own life. Yeah. So, do you want to read the today? Oh, yeah. So, the second part of this beautiful card is what you're going to do today. Today, I will ask myself these four questions. What is my inner child feeling? How is she trying to cope with these feelings? What does my child within really need? How can I give this to myself? I will then do whatever I can to give myself exactly what I need. Oh, beautiful. I love this card. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming today and mm, talking to us. Thank you for having me. This is a, such a huge subject that I don't think we hear very much about this in the eating disorder recovery world. Just sort of like the, just like the facts, ma'am, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, in a beautiful way, but we don't hear that, you know... We're you're starving no matter what weight you are sometimes because you're not getting enough nutrients. It's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon 
Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks. <laughs>